You have to stay on top of trends. Today's leaders always need to be learning. In this environment of limited resources, the only way to remain competitive is your ability to leverage your most important resource. Welcome to Your Evolving Leadership Journey. In this program, we'll dive into leadership fundamentals that are essential to your success. Now, here's your host, Tom Crea. Good Monday morning. Welcome back. Once again, we're at another episode of Your Evolving Leadership Journey, and we have a very, very distinct privilege with speaking of our guest from December, about two months ago, Stephen and Mara Klemek, and they are the authors of Above the Line, Living and Leading with Heart. And I'm very honored to have them back because we're going to go behind the curtains with them today and find out what's behind this book. We had, I had the privilege of having this conversation with them after the last interview and just asking them some questions, and uh, I'll get into that in a second. But uh, first, I'd like to ask Stephen, first, welcome Stephen and Mara. Welcome. Thank you very much for having, being, being back with us. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Tom. Nice to be back and I hope we can add value to your listeners. Oh, I'm absolutely certain that you will. So the first question I want to ask you is uh, more of a lighter question. You know, when I post on social media and I share um, different excerpts from people's books or the interview, I get uh, get a number of hits and likes and it's kind of easy to track, you know, which ones are doing well. And your book is, your podcast has been doing very, very well and I, and I am glad for that. Um, and there, you seem like you have a huge following of fans and followers. <laughs> and, and I want to know, I want you to tell us, tell the world, how did your book tour go? And, you know, just share a little bit about that. Well, for a couple of Aussies uh, in New York, having our book launched uh, in New York City and walking around Manhattan and seeing your book in bookstores, I felt like Crocodile Dundee. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. It was. Uh, it That's was pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah, it was. You know, we use that word "amazing." Everybody, you know, it's a common word. But you know, years and years and years of work, and we've encouraged a lot of people. If you've got a dream, to uh, hold on to that dream because you know we started writing this book in two thousand and four, and then we put it down, and then we picked it back up, and here we are in January twenty twenty, walking up and down Manhattan. We went to Fifth Avenue. Barnes and Noble store, 555 Fifth Avenue, and there, <laughs> there's our book on the shelf. It was just incredible. And we got talking to, to people there, and there were five people in there, and they all bought a book each. And, you know, <laughs> I think there was a rush. We're getting our 10 of seconds of fame signing books. Um, and, you know, it's a, it's a dream that we can do something that's going to help people, and that's the reason we did it. Well, that's fantastic. And I honestly believe your book is going to help people. It's helped me and anybody that I hope is listening. Um, you pick up the copy of the book because the uh, podcast isn't going to do justice to all the content that's in the book. So without, with that said, let's get into some more of the great insights or why you have these great insights. And I would tell you, you know, when I look at my bookshelf, I, I look at authors like Dale Carnegie, Norman Vincent Peale, M. Scott Peck, Ken Blanchard, Stephen Covey, John Maxwell, and the list could go on and on. And you know what I've always found about these individuals? They're, there's something behind why I like this book, and it has to do with faith. So my first question for you, is this book faith-based? <laughs> That's a very good question. Well, well, I've been saying to people that there's two, two uh, answers to that. <laughs> well, I suppose the main answer is yes. Um, Yes, I guess it is. Um, but it, I suppose that it's 
it's not necessarily for people who have a faith as such. It's for everyone um, because it's about values and human values and human principles. Um, but I suppose if you ask the, the genesis of it, if you excuse the pun, um, Stephen can, can tell you about that because it literally was <laughs> genesis, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I think, Tom, like my, my search, because I came from this very dysfunctional and broken background, I went on a search from psychology and theology and e everything that I, I searched spiritually came back to the heart. Mm. And yeah. that, that's where we're saying living and leading with heart, from the heart. The heart sends more messages to the brain as the brain does to the heart. So you, you walk into a restaurant and you pick up a vibe. You walk into a place, you pick up a vibe. That's the heart picking up the spirit or the aura or the vibe of that particular environment. That sends a message to the brain and the brain starts to analyse it. So, of course, when Mara's world and my world collided, Mara's come from psychology and, you know, very, very, very uh, academic. And <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing because he always says, they collided and always sort of think of this sort of <laughs> big smash. Well, what's your choice of words? <laughs> mm, I'm thinking synergistically. The viewers can't see me, but I've got my hands together and they're very delicately intertwined. That's yeah, their fingers like of her of fingers are intertwined. Like, like, <laughs> like she, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Rather than boom. Well, of course, we got, we got talking about psychology and I, uh, being a believer, um, just you know, what's the lengths and the depths and the breadths and the heights of, of my my belief system, my Christianity, my Bible? What's it actually telling me? And what happened to our humanity? Because you know, just look out, look out there in our, our world today. What what is happening with, with people's hearts, with people's behaviour, and people's lives that can be so broken and so traumatised? So that, that search got me to start to look at it um, from, you know, where did all of this start? And I think, Tom, last time we, we talked together offline, I went back to Genesis. And we, we look at the, in Genesis 2.25, there's that scripture that says that people were naked and unashamed with God. So they were in communion with God. Now, how we describe this, if you change the word God to love, love and God are absolutely the same thing. God is total, unconditional, only love. And here we are, naked and unashamed. That meaning we're secure, we, we can be who we are, we don't have any masks, we don't have to fake it till we make it, we just... And you, you think about that. When we feel love, we feel secure. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. And what happened, and I share this story in the book, that when we were researching heart styles and the four principles that we talked about on your first uh, podcast in December, I shared this with, with a group of, there was 10 people and there was absolute atheist and agnostic and Buddhist and Hindu and Muslim and Christian. We had this group of executives. It just was one of those moments that you could never sort of orchestrate. It just happened that we had all of these belief systems around a table. And I was sharing the philosophy of heart styles. Now, it came from my biblical theology, 
But the amazing thing, Tom, is that everybody agreed with those four principles and, you know, of courageous humility and growth-driven love, ego-driven pride and self-limiting fear. So I go back to the, the search that I was on and went back in Genesis when we were naked and unashamed, feeling secure, and then we had a choice. And that choice was to eat from a tree of life or eat from knowledge and good and evil. And we chose the latter. And it was in Genesis 3 that I realised that that was the genesis of our humanity. And that's the first time we felt shame, guilt, separation from love, and therefore insecure. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Now, look, uh, let me uh, try to recap and say some things and paraphrase my words, because um, I think it'll help the listeners as well. Yeah. To, if I scroll back to when Mara was talking and she mentioned values and principles, you know, what, when she said that, here's what resonated for me. I mean, if you're familiar with Stephen Covey's uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, he, t- he goes through this lighthouse story. I won't get into it, but he it, it illustrates the por- point between the difference between uh, values and principles and values are different for every organization. Um, whereas principles are standard throughout the world. And he says in he, in his research, he talks about how every major religion in the world agreed with these principles. So I just wanted to share that with our listeners. And then you, you talked about Stephen, I believe you talked about the heart and I got to tell you, I wrote down a note. I'm learning, you know, that your book is teaching me and I'm learning God is love. I absolutely agree with that. And it doesn't matter what faith you come from. If you can come from that spirit of love. Um, yes, we're talking about separation, all those things that I, I agree with you. Um, so I think this is great. And um, the various backgrounds. So if you and all these other great authors that I've mentioned, the basis for their work is faith. Well, why is this book faith neutral? Well, you sort of touched on it, but I'd like you to expand. Yeah, and and that's where we go back because people are searching and, you know, sometimes religion has damaged people. Having self-righteous, opinionated, aggressive people who are incredibly religious has damaged people and, and it switched people off searching the heart searching the deep and these principles that we've discovered are universal they're not just one particular faith they are absolutely universal like gravity doesn't matter who you are what you are on our planet if you pick something up and let it go it's going to fall to the ground because gravity is a universal principle on our planet if you go to the the space station Maybe there's no gravity and it operates from a different principle. But on this planet, there are certain principles. And that's what I discovered in Genesis 3, that when we separate from love, and a lot of people know this story but have never actually connected the story and the principles. And whether you believe the story uh, is uh, the word of God or not, obviously I do, but just we've been able to help people understand the story that when you separate from love and feel insecure, what did Adam do? They covered themselves. 
with fig leaves so that we start to make coverings. We cover our insecurities up. And this is the pattern that happened in Genesis 3. Adam and Eve covered themselves. Then they hid. So God goes up to Adam. So love goes up to Adam and doesn't say, what did you do? God goes to Adam and says, where are you? Where are you, Adam? And Adam says, I'm hiding because I am afraid. So as soon as we separate from love and we feel insecure, what do we do? We try and cover up that insecurity and then we, we automatically go to fear. And this is where the principles of heart styles, we have self-limiting fear. And Adam was in fear there. Then the next thing God says is, did you eat from the fruit? And what did Adam do? He goes straight to ego-driven pride. He says, the woman you gave me, it's your fault and her fault. I'm not taking responsibility. So the self-limiting fear that hides from love, which is crazy because we're insecure, we don't want to be vulnerable. And this is Brené Brown's great, great work about vulnerability. If I'm feeling insecure and I'm feeling fear, the best thing you can do is admit it and be vulnerable and find people that love you and that you can trust and share your vulnerability. Otherwise, our human condition, our human behavior hides from love and then pride comes in. The woman you gave me, or it's the boss's fault, or it's my wife's fault, or it's the bank, or it's the economy, or it's the politics. We, the blame game started there. So, Tom, to... to uh, help your listeners and to help us understand that this is our human condition. And you only get to Genesis 4 and Cain kill, kills Abel for something that he wants. So that human condition of feeling separated from love, insecure, coming from fear and pride is normal for us. It's not that you're bad, it's just normal. And, and above the line is about saying, well, I don't want to live like that. It's costing me too much pain, too much mm -hmm. energy. I want to live above the line. And that's where we start to work with courageous humility and growth-driven love. And our hearts come back to love and come back to security. Fantastic. Okay, so again, allow, allow me to recap. Um, so I love your explanation of the fig, fig leaf and how we got into the insecurities and then fear. I actually thought you were going to say pride first, but then you continued the story and you brought in pride. Um, great, great stuff. So I don't know if you've answered this question already, but is this also the basis for heart styles or is that a different, it, it, is there anything you want to expand on, on that question I wanted to ask? You I mean, what is the basis for heart styles? Is this where it all came from? Yeah, these are the four principles. So we said, what are, what are the principles from the first Adam? Fear and pride. Then there, the, the, it talks about the second Adam. And the second Adam, who was also in a garden, who said, not my will, but yours. So the second Adam made a different choice to the first Adam. The second Adam, who was in the garden of Gethsemane, said, not my will, but yours and ate from the tree of life. 
So the second Adam operates that, of course, that is Jesus Christ, operates out of courageous humility and growth-driven love. So if we can posture our hearts to faith, to trust, to be able to say, not my will, but yours, to try and bury the ego while we're trying to make a difference and drive results. How, how do we do that? And to me, it, has, it comes from the heart attitude. And that's why we called ourselves heart styles, because the style of the way you do life comes from the heart. The style of the way you parent comes from the heart. The style of the way you operate. If your heart's in fear and pride, guess what your behavior and style will be? If your heart's in courageous humility and love and it's listening and it's observing whilst you're trying to make a difference on the planet, you will have a different type of behavior. And that is absolutely where heart styles came from. We based heart styles on those four universal principles and we realized they were universal, as I said, when we had that, 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 that group in Switzerland. That was a tipping point for Mara and I because we realized these were universal principles, not just biblical principles as much as they were from my perspective, that they were universal. And that is where we based heart styles. Then we started to look at the behaviors that manifest from those four principles. And that's when we started to, I suppose, test it really academically because it was obviously one thing to have that as a, a faith-based premise, um, but we. Mara, have- let, let me get you to pause for a second. So I think you're getting ready to go into my next question, which has to do with your development process. Mm-hmm. But I, I want to recap again because you know this this show is really for it was designed for leaders. And I'm reading your book. I'm like, wow, this is just fantastic for any relationship. And you know, the one comment I did want to make on what you were saying, Stephen, was the fact that when we're talking about the Word of God, in my my background in my studies about religion. Um, some people believe it to be um, inspired and some people look at it as a story. But I would argue, and I think that you're supporting this approach as well, particularly with the, the, uh, the group um, that you met in Switzerland where everybody's coming from a different background, is that the bottom line is if you can derive value out of the story, then this is, this is the important message. And God is love is a fantastic message. And, and, I, and you're right, the world needs more love, and I think the world needs more of your book because it'll help <laughs> spread that love. Um, so, look, okay, I'm sorry, Mara, didn't mean to cut you off, but I, I wanted to oh. um, I wanted to have a little bit of airtime, but, but most <laughs> of it is for you. Um, so, okay, so let's get back to the developmental process, which I believe is where you were going. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, it was really just, you know, the things you have to do when you invent one of these things, it's... Um, it's a long process and trying to keep the heart of it while you're going through the years of all of the academic uh, and statistical part of it um, was an interesting interesting balance, wasn't it? Because we, we had such a strong conviction that we knew that this was truth, um, but in order for it to be credible and to be able to sit alone and sit on its own merit um, in the world, then we needed to go through all of the, the due process for that, which is all the statistical validation and all the years of, of trialing it, et cetera, et cetera. So 16 years, did I get that right? 2004 to 2020? 2020? 16? Uh, well, it was actually, 90, yes. Well, it actually started in 94. Oh. Um, so, yes, it took 18 years, really, of the research for the behaviours and trialing of, sort of eight websites and a whole stack of wonderful people that <laughs> were guinea pigs and helped out. 
Um, so, yeah, it went through quite a few processes, uh, a couple of uh, statistical validation studies. 600 questions down to 75 yeah, took a long time. took a long time. Well, there's the no doubt you've got a following of wonderful people. I mean, when I see <laughs> the do. posts and, and just the people who comment um, on your book, and it, it's just fantastic. Well, well, it's helped people. It's helped people, yeah. Tom, and that's what... That's what this life's work has been about mm. uh, for us. And you know, 33 years of, of being able to, what, to create something that people actually already know. Mm. Now, this is the next. I think that's important, yes. The next spiritual point. Because uh, if I'm going back to Genesis, because God said to Adam, Who told you you were naked? You see, you watch a, th you watch a, three, a three year old do something naughty. And they'll, they'll, their body language will change. They'll hide, and then of course they'll blame their brother or sister. <laughs> just My like, seven and nine year olds do that right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and actually doesn't change when we're adults either. Really, <laughs> we still do it. <laughs> oh, humans. So it's it's just helped people understand what they already know. It's a framework and a language based on four universal principles, just like gravity. As I said, and, and to demonstrate gravity is easy, but how do you demonstrate behavior in, in a way that people can see it, understand it, and verbalize it? And that's where we've been able to come up with the heart styles indicator, as you know. And that, you know, that was, we talked a lot about that in our, our last session together. So it goes back to that, you know, people. People are suffering. People have got mental health issues. People are depressed and suppressed and, and trying to find a way out. And unfortunately, the more you get stuck, the more you focus on I. It's all about me, me, me. And this is where we say, what's the middle letter of anxiety? I. What's the middle letter of the word anxious? It's the letter I. What's the middle letter of the word pride? I. And, and then you look at the word heart and fear. Both of those words have the word ear in it. So fear has the word ear and heart has the word ear. Now, what are you listening to? Are you listening to fear? Is your heart and your mind listening to fear, 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 fear. And if it listens to fear, it will manifest behavior. And what it will often do is then just focus on pride, I, 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 I. And that creates more fear, more anxiety, more depression, more suppression, and people get stuck in this spiral. And that's where if people can shift their heart and listen to your good heart. Listen to the ear. The middle word of heart is ear. Listen to love. And we'll call it God, but listen to love. What is love going to give you or show you or tell you in your life? And if you go to love, you'll start to feel more secure. You'll start to feel naked and unashamed, back to our rightful place. Genesis 2.25 is where our hearts belong. Naked and unashamed in the presence of love, the most secure fact we have in our life. 
And that's why we have a fan base, because people have experienced this and they can feel themselves go below the line, <laughs> which we all do on a daily basis. <laughs> and, you know, you've only got to have your GPS go crazy when you're driving in the middle of the traffic and how quickly can you go below the line? And then can you reposture yourself to love? And is there a love bigger than you? And this is where we help people posture themselves to what their spirituality is. To and and for for us as a Christian, I reposture myself to Jesus Christ and to God the Father, and that re repostures my heart to security. And it's just wonderful watching people being able to either listen to your heart or are you listening to the fear. Which ear are you <laughs> listening to? <laughs> right. And on a daily basis, it can be both. You know, I, I'm thinking, um, here's a couple of things that are going through my mind right now. As I'm listening to you talk and explain in your translation or your interpretation of the things that you've read, um, number one, I always appreciate when I can glean from somebody else their insights onto something that I just never picked up on. And sadly, I went all the way back to grade school and high school, and, and I think of poetry, and I just never was good at picking up on what the poems were about. So I always appreciate when somebody can share passages from Scripture and it can uh, break them down for me, so that's great. Now, look, I could ask you questions all day, and I don't want to hog this, but I, so I want to talk to, I want to tell the listeners, hey, we're getting ready to take a break, but here's the call-in number. If you want to ask a question so that I don't hog all this time, the, the dial-in number is 866-472-5790, and I'd be very remiss if I didn't tell you the whole reason why we're together, and I have to say thank you, a big thank you to South Africa, and I believe these are, I don't know what the right word is, but they use heart styles and they apply them in their business. Uh, what's the right word for Associates. That? Oh, I'm sorry, thank you, associates, and that is to first, the person I met was Charles Coatser, and also for Adrian Pretorius. And they have been, I've never met him in person, but I look forward to the day that I meet both of you because I know you're listening because I know you believe in everything that Stephen and Mara are doing. All right, well, look, we're going to get ready to take our break. So let me remind you our dial in number is 866 472 5790. 866 472 5790. And we'll be right back. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. As Tom works with leaders, something he consistently sees is their struggle with engagement and retention. Then their frustration with having to repeat the employee development process again and again. What most people don't know is the answer lies in love. Once they realize that they simply need to apply the golden rule, the results are surprising. They start bringing out the best in others. They develop confident, capable employees, and they find they have more fun and freedom and less stress in their lives. Perhaps most importantly, they satisfy what they've been craving. Now they've created the culture that they and their team have always wanted. This is when Synergy takes over, and the results are astounding. The first step is critical. 
When you exhibit the self-awareness and humility that shows you need to learn and improve continuously, you set the example and encourage others to follow. To learn more, visit Blackhawk Leadership Development at BlackhawkSpeaks.com. That's BlackhawkSpeaks.com. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to Your Evolving Leadership Journey. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you have questions or comments about the program, you may send an email to Tom at BlackhawkSpeaks.com. Now, back to your evolving leadership journey. All right. Welcome back. We have been speaking with Stephen and Mara Klemek about their book, their new book, Above the Line, Living and Leading with Heart. And again, I got to say thanks to Charles and Adrian from South Africa, because they're the reason we're here. So the next question I would like to ask the two of you is you talk about this and concept in the book and I'd like to know what is the and with our humanity and faith and is it a blessing and a battle <laughs> well it's an and Tom it's both Aha. <laughs> uh, well it's always a blessing that's for sure um, the battle is is part of our our humanity isn't it that Sometimes we um, battle against ourselves. The best of us and the less best of us are at war in the same person, sometimes within the hour. Um, So we talk about the and, A-N-D, just so everyone can hear my Australian accent and understand what I'm saying. Um, The and. And I suppose what we talk about is trying to get, get people to have some compassion for themselves, but particularly for others, because... You hear a lot of times when uh, well, people that we've worked with and counseled, etc., it's easy to get really upset or angry at, at someone else because of their behaviour. And so much of our life, and I know I've, I've been guilty of this as well, sometimes you can actually just look at that behaviour and get offended or upset or negatively attached to it um, without actually thinking about why is that person like that? What's happening for them? Because most people, I mean, obviously my background is that I I did spend 18 years as an expert witness in murder trials in Australia. So I did meet some people who um, obviously were not in the normal bell curve, shall we say. Um, And, but most people don't fall into that. Most, Most of us have a lot of positive elements to ourselves, a lot of positive parts. And we also have little foibles and areas that we're working on. And so that's why we say we are all an and. In some circumstances, we can be the best of ourselves. We can be authentic. We can be loving and caring for other people. We can altruistically go and help others before ourselves. 
Other times, we can be the direct opposite. And the trouble is that a lot of times what happens when we are the recipients of someone else's less than positive behaviour, we hook into the obvious thing, which is the behaviour, rather than stopping and thinking about who that person is and what might be happening for them to be causing them to be defensive. So the and is a way of helping people think about, don't just hook into the behaviour next time someone's, or you perceive someone is being you know, irritating or angry or upsetting to you, Maybe just stop for a moment and think about what might be going on for them and ask that question, what might be happening for that person that's causing them to behave in that less than positive manner? And what's happening in their heart. Yeah. So looking past someone's behaviour is what compassion is about. Mm. Otherwise, we wouldn't need compassion. What, you know, why have we got words like mercy and grace and compassion? Well, they're there because people are dysfunctional people are not their best selves and we're so quick to judge we're so quick and you know one of one of our concerns is when people read our book they get they start to go oh, you know that person's below the line <laughs> you know, yeah. and not start, me everyone else <laughs> and start to use hard styles to judge others you'll notice that the, above the line the two bookends of heart styles is authentic and compassion because when you are authentic to yourself, you can be more compassionate to the world and start to see that people are and. We have good days, bad mm. days, good moments, not so good moments, above the line moments, below the line moments. Now, scripturally, that comes from the flesh wars against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. Our flesh is driven by fear and pride, ego, approval-seeking, competitive, controlling, I've got to be perfect. Our flesh cries out to be approved of. To be loved. To be loved. Looking for love. To feel secure, to win, to, to, to have people give us compliments and accolades. And the more insecure we are, the more we need those things. Now, the spirit is at war with that because my spirit says I'm loved no matter what. I am loved no matter what. I love that story where the, the great preacher went to, to take Jesus into prisons and when he got there he said, hang on, Jesus was already there. <laughs> People, it's mm -hmm. like, you know. So God, God, unconditional love, the spirit of that is ever-present all the time no matter what. Now, if I can posture myself to that, if I can take a breath, give myself some space to posture myself to the spirit of love, it is going to shift my behaviour. It's going to shift how I deal with my wife and my team and my customers. And it shifts their behaviour too because you can change the atmosphere, can't you, with love? So as I shift, I shift others. Mm. Okay. Um, so I'm going to be a little selfish here, and I'm going to ask you a question and because I'm sure the listeners will pick up on the why. But let me give you the context. So I'm looking at their book, and I'm on page 127, and I'm looking at the very the four different um, humility, love, are above the line, and fear and pride are below the line. And there are eight behaviors that are above the line and eight behaviors that are below the line. And I'm going to isolate one pair combination because the question is, is what happens if 
a certain couple are both a certain way. So let's say hypothetically Mm -hmm. that both of them want to be very encouraging, but both of them are easily offended. So I just just gave you the above, the, the listeners, the above and the below the line. And again, I wanted it to be very specific. So you can go through a very specific concrete example for those of us who might be interested in that particular combination. (laughs) <laughs> and I wonder why we've got easily offended in our model that no other model in the world that we've seen in our research had easily offended. How about that? Yeah. You pick the beauty. Yeah, it is, Spe- specifically with, <laughs> with couples. <laughs> well, you yeah. know, I think if, it's interesting because I think it comes back to um, what Stephen spoke about earlier on with Genesis 3 because when Adam and Eve separated from love, the first thing they did was cover themselves. So just bear with me for a moment here. Now, that all sounds great. You know, we sort of imagine them covering themselves physically. But what that also speaks to is that they covered themselves emotionally. And if you think about the word personality, it comes from the Latin persona, and persona actually means mask. Didn't know that. Yeah. So really interesting, isn't it? Because if you think about that, what happens for us when we start to feel insecure and therefore moving away from love is that we cover ourselves with a mask of some description. What we would say would be um, one of our below-the-line styles because they're a, they're a defence strategy, they're a coping strategy, they're like a coat that I put on to cover myself, to cover my heart and protect myself. So if I am feeling insecure and I'm feeling very vulnerable, one of the most uh, vulnerable people that can have a lot of what I might perceive power over me and hurt my vulnerability, hurt the, my little citadel of my self-esteem is the person closest to me. Right. And so ridiculously in our humanity, what we do, even though we love that person, and I know I've done this with Stephen because I'm human. I love him. I know he loves me more than anyone else. Yet I'll pull up my little coat. I'll pull up my drawbridge on my moat around my little castle of my self-esteem, my little citadel, and I will cover myself from him. And so what happens is even therefore I will start to become very self self uh, focused. And so the opposite of what I want to do in trying to encourage him, if I then try to give him some praise or some encouragement, some words of affirmation, and he for whatever reason might be a little bit insecure too, and hears that, but then thinks, oh, I don't know why she's saying that or I'm not really going to take that into my heart because he's got his covering on. Then I think, how dare you? I've just given you some wonderful encouragement there and you don't even say anything back. You don't give me anything. What's going on here? And I get easily offended because I have gotten attached to what I have given him. I'm not actually giving it freely. I'm giving it because I want to get something back from him, even though in my mind, my mind might be saying, oh, I'm giving him some words of affirmation because I'm a good person. But my heart, if it's still wounded, if it's still protecting itself, 
is attached to getting something from giving. So what do you do? How have you grown individually, if I may, Mm -hmm. to shift that behavior to go from what you know to be below the line to, I want to go back to above the line, but it's not easy. No, because, because we're human. So so what are you, what do you do? What have you done to train yourself to, to get, to shift above the line quicker than say two years ago? Oh, okay. Well, I'll, um, if we're talking about faith-based, so I will say that we've got a a very uh, godly way of doing this. Um, Stephen, I have to say, is much more noble in this than I am because I sometimes do this through gritted teeth. Um, But what we we made a a little, in a positive way, a pact quite a few years ago in our marriage, and we said whenever we get into an argument or a disagreement or we're just not seeing each other, you know, we're kind of missing each other. All the easily offended is, yeah. The peaking out. <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. Easily offended meter is yeah, going red line. Um, what we do is the first person, for, the first one in either in in between us, to realise what's going on. That is that we've got ourselves into a that we're missing each other. I guess has to say stop, go where God is, and that's our little phrase. Some people might like to. I've given this to a lot of people who. Um, who are not a Christian, but they, they have good values, etc., and they say, go where love is, because it is the same thing to us. Right. right. So we then stop what we're doing. We touch each other. We hold, hold hands, or at least depending where you are, I suppose, if you're in the middle of the traffic or something, it's a bit hard, but at least, at least um, have some kind of physical connection. Take a breath, physical breath, because there is a good reason for that physiologically. Mm-hmm. Um, take a breath, and we both just in that moment go where God is for us, go to the presence of love. love. And the most amazing thing is with that, that it actually just totally demasks us. We have a Damascus experience. It demasks (laughs) us. And it just calms everything down because then you can start to talk to each other from a place of love, not from this place of escalate, excuse me, escalating covering, you know. Now, that does work for us. I have to admit, sometimes I have done it through gritted teeth because <laughs> as soon as he's he spotted it first and he says, darling, go where love is. <laughs> and I'll be, I don't want to go where love is because that means I've got to let go of my opinion and my opinion's right. <laughs> So, Been there, done that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, but the thing is, you know, in the end, when you can actually do that and you go where love is, your opinion doesn't matter. Right. Because in the end, what matters is truth between you. And maybe your opinion is correct, but you don't have to push it or persuade because you're able to both just have de-escalated the whole thing into a place of calm and peace, the spirit's in between you, and you can actually start to have a decent conversation or, you know, even a, even a robust disagreement, but it's coming from a different, a different place. I absolutely love it, and I would be 
delighted if I could speak to you for three or four hours, but <laughs> we don't have that kind of time. No, um, and I'm sure the listeners will appreciate that, Mara. That was a great answer. And by the way, when she was telling me her response, because we're on a Zoom uh, meeting session, she actually physically touched Stephen's shoulder. Um, <laughs> so it was great to witness that. So look, I'm sure both of you have a personal faith story. I know that in the book, Mara, Mara you talk about cancer. Stephen, I Sorry, I don't remember yours, but other than I know that you're you uh, you're a trained minister, right? Yes. Would you guys care to share and your personal faith stories? Sure. Sure. I think <clears throat> I'll just go go back to the the simplicity that um, my my faith, my heart is. It's like a jar. It needs to be filled with love, and if I'm expecting the outside world or Mara or my children, to be the continuous filling of that jar of love, it's too much expectation on my wife, on my children. Yeah, that's a good point. And because if I'm expecting that all the time from them and they don't do it, I'm just going to get offended because I'm not secure within myself. And because I grew up very insecure and in our own way still are, but, but to me, being able to find that experience that I had, that I had God's love come and fill my heart, and that turned me from very insecure to feeling secure and loved in a moment. And that's a daily, that's a daily reminder. Sometimes it's an hourly reminder because I'm a driven person. I'm a person who has decided many years ago I want to make a difference and there are times that I don't posture myself to that love and then I expect you know Mara to give it to me or my kids to give it to me or my dog and the dog dog, will give it to you well the The dog dog, will yes yeah because spell the dog backwards it's God (laughs) (laughs) and that's why everyone says dogs are the epitome of unconditional Mm, love yeah, because their name backwards is God. <laughs> and that, that'll muck up a few people's theology, I think. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a bit controversial. But it's a manifestation of God's creation, yes. a dog. And, and we get all of this unconditional love from a dog. Now, if I can get that unconditional love from somewhere else that I call God, I become more and more and more secure. And therefore, I don't need someone else to come and fill that. I like them to top it up, but but if if I if my cup is empty, I'm going to be so easily offended. I'm going to be so insecure. Mm. And statistically, we've we've seen the correlation between easily offended and controlling. So the more insecure I become, the more easily offended I become, and the more of a control freak I become. So I aggressively try and control my whole world because if I can control my world, I'm going to feel like I'm secure. So that's very interesting in the model. So to answer your question, my faith journey started um, very seriously 40 years ago, 1979. And in 1979, a friend of mine, I was p- playing in a rock band and he was a, a drummer in another rock band and he had a, a God experience 
um, with an evangelical church. And I went to get him out. I went, man, you've joined <laughs> some cult. This is 1979. People had drunk the Kool-Aid. There'd been all sorts of stuff. And I went to get him out, and I've never left because I saw people having a personal experience with God. They were loving and encouraging each other. And I had an experience, and it was just incredible, and I was offered to be baptised as an adult, to make that decision myself as an adult. And I got baptised, and it's been the most secure fact in my life mm -hmm. of being able to have that relationship. My dad died when I was one. Oh. I, I never I had a father void in my heart. I never had a father. Mm -hmm. I, was, I went to 10 schools. I think I shared this with you before, but dyslexic and a hearing disability, my education was incredibly poor. Mm -hmm. So teenage and early 20s, it was sex, drugs and rock and roll. And I was a drummer in a rock band, you know, and it was just, right? And, but, you know, obviously I was in deeply insecure and I was trying to fill it with all of these external things. And when I had that experience, it gave me something deep inside me that I have continually worked on and continue to work on to strengthen my heart. So if my heart is full or being filled, how do I then strengthen my heart, which is my character? Because when stress comes along, when pressure comes along, have I got the character strength, as Mara said, to go where God is and not where he isn't? If I don't go where love is, I'll go where fear is. And then I'll start listening to the ear of fear. Then my ego will come in and tell me I've got to do this and I've got to do that. And my flesh will become more strong than the spirit of love that sits in me. And those two things are in constant, constant um, tension mm -hmm. in a positive way. And it can be a very negative way. So that's my little faith story, um, and I've continued on and loved every I love the adventures of faith. I love the fact I can get up and do I have the faith today to make a difference? And getting up with the adventure of faith rather than the adventure of fear. And there, of, of course I'm human. There are times I do have fear, but then I can posture myself to faith and to love. And that's where I've been able to enjoy that for many years. Yeah, I think I think what Stephen left out too. That's a great rendition of your a very a very short rendition of his history. Is that you? You really were um, you were brought up a Catholic, and as a little boy, you Stephen really was in love with God. You wanted to be a priest, didn't you? Yeah, so it started for you very young. Yeah, but then then I went completely off the rails because I was in, in search of myself, mm. in search of replacing that father figure that I didn't have. Mm -hmm. And what you've got to be very careful when you've got an orphan spirit or a fatherless spirit is you'll try and replace it with something else. And the ego will try and replace that. Anyway, we're getting very, very deep. I could, I, I could talk all day about this, Tom, because it, it's very personal. 
Yeah, well, look, let, let me just say thank you very much for sharing, and I'll just quickly recap something about you. It's like, look, one of the things you have to do is you, you have to be happy with yourself first is part of what I heard you say before you can give that love to others. All right, Mara, we only have a few minutes left, so um, please, your turn. <laughs> Mine's very short. Oh. Uh, mine was short because I was, well, I was brought up as, a, as an atheist. Um, oh. Yes, I had Italian parents um, who come from, came from the uh, atheist capital of Italy, which is a place called Trieste. Um, place called what? Trieste. Okay. It's near, near Venice. Um, it's a long story of why that was the atheist capital of Italy, but it is. And so I was brought up, um, I actually used to go into churches um, when I was young as a teenager trying to find God, but because my mother was very, very strongly um, anti-Christian, anti-faith, um, very, very, she worshipped the, the god of intellect. So the spirit of intellectualism was very, very strong in my family. Um, part of the reason I have sarcasm is one of my below-the-line styles. Me too. <laughs> that you, yeah, well, I don't know, so it would be interesting to hear from you, you what your history was around the dinner table. But for us it was, you know, having to compete to be the smartest with, uh, with words and, you know, intellectual challenges and all that sort of thing. So both of my parents were highly, highly educated. So there was that whole intellectualism, worshipping the god of intellect um, in my family. And then I, um, as you mentioned, I've, I've had a few bouts of cancer. The first one when, when I was 21, um, which was really, really tough because I was quite vain. Um, and in those days, that was in the early 80s. So when you lose all of your hair and uh, you're very, very uh, exposed um, when you're at university at 21, it's pretty hard. Um, mm -hmm. So I was the first one in my family at that point to get cancer. Um, that unfortunately didn't actually push me towards God. It pushed me towards try, so, trying to find some kind of spirituality. So I went into the new age kind of thing, trying to find God in there. Um, and then it wasn't until really I met Stephen um, because just prior to that, I actually met him on the, the day after I finished my last chemotherapy when I was oh. in my early 30s, yes, because that I had a, a very bad bout of um, ovarian cancer. That was the second one. And I was um, actually stage four cancer. So I'm one of the, uh, the miracles, walking miracles that do exist. Yes, you are. Um, and I had, uh, that's a look, we don't have a lot of time, but I, I had a, an experience that looking back I know was God talking to me about how I was living my life. And I believe that that actually changed the course of my future um, because in the end, uh, medical technology um, saved my life. Right. But I also believe that the way that I changed my heart also helped me fight it in a different way. So the day after I finished my last chemotherapy, um, I met Stephen and Stephen actually led me to the Lord, which... Uh, an amazing experience and there were two two moments one up the side of a mountain in Nepal and I could hardly breathe at 5,000 meters really annoying of all the places to actually say I needed to ask Jesus into my life but that's where it happened and um, a second time when I was in I went into uh, ministry training school so uh, God really made his his presence known to me there so it's been a wonderful trip ever since well, look, that's fantastic. And I know your fans, your listeners, my listeners are going to be so thrilled to listen to this particular episode um, just because 
it's great to hear from people like you and what, what their background is. And, um, just fantastic. Thank you so much. Uh, great, great book. Look, everyone who's listening, I'm not, I've been around the block a couple times and I said this in one of my posts and this is one of the most impactful books I've read in a long, long time. So I highly recommend you pick it up It not only change your perspective, your attitude, your life, but the people in your life. And, and that is so important and the communities around you eventually. And I just think you've made such a great impact on society and I know we're going over and uh, my producer, Aaron, is giving me a little slack, probably because you guys have been such great guests. But I do have to end and say thank you so much for being my guest. Uh, again, I really, really appreciate it. Thank and for you, our listeners, um, by all means, mm. pick up the book. And thanks for listening. Have thank a great you, day. Thank Tom. you, Tom. And that's why the book is Faith Neutral. So it's all about love. Yeah. That's right. God is love, and it's for everybody. You don't have to be faith-based, but yes. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in this week to Your Evolving Leadership Journey. Be sure to join host Tom Crea for another edition next Monday morning at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And have a great week.